Oh, hey there, listeners and juicers. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you have fallen in love with the Draw Your Dice podcast and want to help put some new fruit on the table, but don't feel comfortable making a monthly commitment, well, you can support the show via the ACAST supporter feature. No gift too large, nor too small. Just click on the link in the show description and know that I am sending you the strongest hug when you do so. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone. My name is Mark Brown, and this is Game Maker's Toolkit. I'm kidding, but I would be lying if this didn't have some sort of inspiration from it. Actually, my name is Jeremy Gage, and welcome to my first devlog of 2022. Uh, You might be asking, what is this? To which I would answer to you, it's the devlog 2022, I already said it. But, no, uh, devlog is going to be a bi-weekly solo series where... 
I am now trying to prove to you, the audience, that I have, in fact, been listening to my guests on the Slice and Dice interviews to create my own game. Now, you might be asking yourself, but didn't you do this before with Kaleidoscope? And the answer to that is, uh, thank you for remembering my shame. Uh, Kaleidoscope didn't end up keep going, keep doing good, because... <laughs> I'm running on a small amount of sleep, but I didn't want that to prevent me from creating here today. And you know, really, are you creating more than you're consuming? Anyways, when I made Kaleidoscope, I was trying to force something I wasn't quite prepared to do yet, which was undertake creating a better D&D for me. And imposter syndrome hit real hard, additionally with other things going on in my life uh, and interviews stacking up like crazy, uh, was just feeling the immense burnout of the podcast close in on me. So I cut one thing and that was Kaleidoscope. Uh, But I do think that uh, my project that I am currently working on, Umbral Dive, is kind of its successor in a way. It's almost like Kaleidoscope 2E that never came out. So for anyone that is unaware, project name under underdive, down underdive, umbral dive is my attempt at creating a trad fantasy skirmish game that has taken influences from MMORPGs and the like to facilitate a more engaging skirmish system outside the fixed turn order amongst other additional subsystems that I generally don't vibe with from the current market of trad fantasy skirmish games. In that I've been delving into tons of other tech in many other genres and examining other skirmish games slash traditional adventure fantasy games such as Pendragon and 13th Age and RuneQuest and D&D, both 5th and 4th edition, Pathfinder, 1st edition, um, a couple others in there, and some and some newcomers to the, to the block like Hyperlight Drifter uh, RPG made by Metal Weave Games and... Yeah. And class design inspirations from Nova by and the Lumen System by Spencer Campbell. So yeah, here's here's the first devlog. What are what are my design wants with Homeworld Dive? Like I said, I want a better skirmish game for Jeremy. Uh and there are a ton of things that I am looking at to accomplish that. What does it mean to have initiative? What does it mean to have combat? What do you do outside of combat? What does a quick start of this look like? Etc. 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 So maybe what might be good for the first 
devlog here is what are the concepts that I'm unhappy with speaking mainly to D&D and those of its ilk. One of the first things that I dislike about playing the system, and I've been both a player and a GM several times, is that first off, speaking mainly about combat, because that's where Umbral Dive is starting in its design of combat, I do not like what is dubbed as fixed turn orders. In, excuse me, to be even more specific, fixed sequential turn orders. For anyone who perchance has not played D&D 5th edition but has played board games, uh, you might be familiar with this. Essentially, everyone makes an initiative roll, which is a d20 plus your dexterity ability check. Uh, Yes, an ability check is also a skill check, so an initiative roll is an ability check, for those who may not know, and gains all the effects and advantages and disadvantages of any abilities that affect that. You roll that, and in descending order, based on your roll result and the enemy's roll result, result, you form the initiative order. And uh, from there, you execute that order over and over and over again until someone dies, uh, typically. And, you know, that also accounts for, like, health and stuff and, and combat puzzles and blah, blah, blah. But what I don't love about that is typically a DM is a uh, hot commodity in the role-playing D&D space, and oftentimes you will play with a number of four to seven players, not including the GM, and that can be a long time that you're not playing the game, because turns can take a while. One of the fallacies with that I find with the system is that or the subsystem is that you people often give you advice of like oh plan your turn ahead of time and that's not really possible because the game state is constantly changing and what might have worked four turns ago may certainly not work now when it is your turn so everyone is readjusting to a game state based on the last person's turns and thinking about reactions and uh you know we also play in an age where like monster information is kind of like supposed to be blind so you don't really know what the monster's gonna do so you make sort of careful moves or decisions hesitant moves or decisions And you could wait anywhere from five to ten minutes in between turns for people to figure out what they're doing. And if you have a seven-person game, that might be anywhere from, like, 15 to 25 minutes that you're waiting for your turn. Uh, That's 15 to 20 minutes. You're not playing the game, honestly. And in that way, you might say that, well... At a table, I can take an audience position and enjoy what I'm watching here as the battle unfolds, and that keeps me engaged. Cool. Does that hold true, though, for online play as well? 
and uh, I find the often the response I get when I ask people that sort of question, they say that they are pretty easily distracted about what's going on. Uh, either something at their desk draws attention, or they have a dog, or a partner comes in because it's easier for them to come in uh, when they're by themselves in front of their computer instead of at a table of six people. And so that adds additional time to combat. And so combat just takes a long time, and that's mainly due to the initiative system. Now, I know there are people listening who are like, well, I've homebrewed this and that. We do action slots. We re-roll initiative to keep it interesting. We uh, pass the turn or something like that. Or we do popcorn initiative. And that is all amazing and uh, good attempted problem solving. But I would offer that the problem is not how that we arrive at initiative, but in the fundamental state of how initiative works. So that's one thing I am looking to change with Umbral Dive. Uh, secondly, I am taking inspiration for battle design from games such as Final Fantasy XIV, Realm Reborn, and its expansions, uh, other MMORPGs like Guild Wars 2 or World of Warcraft, Lost Ark, Diablo 3. And what that means is that for me, I find the gridded map stifling in a couple of ways because those games kind of desire a free range of movement uninhibited by specific square placement or even hex placement Um, and additionally it can make some area of effectibilities hard to um, adjudicate at the table you know, who fits inside of a circle, uh, do you include the whole square in your AoE, there's a lot of nuance to how those effects get um, discussed at the table, depending on any one particular group, there's not sort of like a uniform answer for that sort of stuff. Um, So, I'm looking at kind of doing something other than the grid and gridded movement, then another thing I dislike about skir- skirmish games that I've played is the uh, class design and the difference between magical individuals and non-magical individuals, meaning things like barbarian and fighter and rogue versus wizards and sorcerers and even rangers and paladins. Uh, speaking mainly to D&D 5th edition, but this even holds true in 13th age um, I don't think this is as much of a problem in Pathfinder because of all the uh, crazy feats and abilities that uh, physical or melee uh, classes or tool sets can get. But for D&D 5e, uh, a lot of people like to shoehorn in the roles from D&D 4th edition, which were... Defender, striker, um, contr- uh, leader, and controller, I believe are what they were called. Yes. Uh, that's not necessarily how 5th edition operates. Uh, the main one being that there is no such thing as a defender role. Um, what it might mean to defend in some cases is to intercept enemy attacks, affect targeting, 
um, and potentially uh, hold the line as in zoning or not letting enemies pass, but some could argue that controllers do that exact same thing. And so in D&D 5th edition, we lack abilities, uh, proper like taunt abilities that affect targeting. If a GM has a goblin attack the fighter, it wasn't because of a taunt effect. It was because that the GM chose to execute that maybe due to range, but also maybe that they are trying to facilitate the party's want for this person to feel like a tank. But the game does not uh, dedicate any specific targeting or focus mechanics to monster choice. So looking at AI abilities for monsters, having certain targeting requirements, a la uh, another influence for Umbral Dive is Emberwind, which has some really cool monster AI tech. And, um, yeah, it is, uh, I would like melee physical characters to feel like they have more. So the, the issue with D&D 5e battle design, and in this case, monster to class design, is that battles care about three particular things uh, outside of who can damage a person the fastest uh, is control, positioning, uh, which also includes range and uh, targeting. And, you know, things like fog cloud as a spell affects targeting, making it harder for enemies to deal damage to you and who has access to fog cloud casters do uh is there an argument for rogues fighters or barbarians that have that sort of ability i don't think so off the top of my head i think the storm herald barbarian has slowing movement effects but that's not the same as affecting targeting and that also requires creatures to be in a uh, generous melee range with the barbarian. So, uh, melee characters lack abilities to control opponents. Now, someone might be saying, like, well, why don't we shove? Why don't we, um, cause people to fall prone? Why don't we grapple people? Those things don't do damage, which are suboptimal, because, uh, entangling vines deal damage and cause a creature to be restrained or slowed or have difficult terrain so there's more utility from casters than melee characters and the range or effective range of those classes are also greater than any of those uh, melee classes you could argue for the classic polearm sentinel sort of situation but again if a GM is uh, not willing to pull their punches or blindly walk into that sort of trap, uh, that's kind of an ineffective tactic if all they throw at you are other spellcasters, right? So, uh, D&D doesn't have a... I don't feel that D&D has a well-balanced battle design. And I don't mean balance in terms of numbers. 
but just balance in terms of being able to solve the puzzle with the tools given to you, you know? Do you have the fighter break down the door with a shoulder tackle and make a strength check, or you just blow it the fuck up with a fireball? Both are viable, but still one type of class has more utility than another. And that it that can be frustrating. It keeps me from playing fighters and barbarians. Sometimes not rogues, because you can do like arcane trickster stuff. You can do the Eldritch Knight for a fighter. But again, that's magic and gives additional utility and uh, more problem-solving options than as opposed to a barbarian who's just tossing the axe around. And, you know, I'm sure you've all felt the... Uh, uselessness of a barbarian against a flying enemy and you need to call a friend to catapult you up to the bird. So, just to recap, this part is initiative is an issue, Um, the grid feels restrictive, and class design does not feel balanced in terms of problem-solving ability as it pertains to combat, which then also means that monsters are not designed in a reflective manner to class abilities. Another thing that I dislike about um, D&D is the false sense of progression. My question to you is, What is the difference between a goblin in a level 1 party and a dragon in a level 10 party? Because it's certainly not the numbers. Most of the creatures are designed around the three-round concept. Uh, If you made optimal choices and used your most effective damage three rounds in a row, you should be able to fell most beasts of the respective CR level. And that's why we get into conversations about, like, well, this thing punches above its weight. It's not exactly a CR level. CR level doesn't matter. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know CR's challenge rating, which is a metric used to uh, ascertain the difficulty of an enemy as presented to a four-person party of that same level. So if a dragon is CR 10, it means that it is a challenge for four level 10 characters. And so the only thing that truly changes about levels in the game is complexity. More options available to you to potentially solve a problem. Um, but all, not all monsters increase in complexity along with their um, challenge rating. The same example of the dragon, most rudimentary dragons simply have a fire breath, some melee attacks, and I think CR 10 is young adult dragons, so they may have a second breath in some cases. Um, And I know that Dragon Book came out recently. I don't know anything about it, so I'm strictly thinking about the Monster Manual version of any dragon. And uh, they don't typically have magic as young adult dragons, I believe. I could be fucking that all up. I think young adult dragons might actually be CR 7. No, there's... There's CR 10. Anyways, the complexity of the creature is not that great if you are not playing with suboptimal meta blocking 
uh, meta knowledge blocking kind of house rules, you'll all fan out. One person will be hit by the cone, which reduces the effectiveness of the cone, which there is a complex player choice, uh, but it doesn't go much beyond that. Uh, whereas if you were to face a, I believe an arc druid is CR 10 and their spells and summons can cause way more of a complexity challenge than a dragon of the same CR. So leveling up in D and D is more of an onboarding tool to the class design rather than changing any challenge of the game. If you, played an entire campaign as probably level 18 characters the whole time uh that would kind of be the same game because you could throw different amounts of monsters or combinations of monsters you could throw higher more complex beasts uh at the party and but that's all to sum up that sort of dnd 5e has doesn't really have like a leveling system it's not really progression because that's not how the game is designed to operate on the back end it's designed that any fight should be able uh to be completed in around three rounds or so um, and that's going to vary from table to table so that's a grain of salt sort of conversation but that's that's the design basis so uh looking at a way that progression increases complexity rather than number bloat is another design one from my dislike of D&D 5e design. Now, you might be asking, why am I specifically talking about D&D 5th edition? Um, because a lot of other games of its like have some of the same... Um, I don't, I don't think archaic is a fair word, but traditional design around the advan adventure fantasy genre as much on the um, larger market level than the indie scene. I'm sure there might be indie games that I'm not privy to that have changed these things or have made these same examinations. And Great job by them. I'm, I'm happy for them. That's amazing. I, I would love to read them if anyone can point one out. Um, but with things like Numenera and 13th Age, and uh, I know Pendragon is, is quite a bit different in terms of the, the style of game that is played and the systems that it uses, um, but in the skirmish battle space, I think that it could, it could use a little bit of a facelift, and so I'm, I'm hoping to execute that with Umbral Dive. Um, what are some of my solutions. Well, that's what the devlogs are for. The devlogs will talk about these specific systems that I have problems with uh, or find challenging to engage with that I look uh, that I'm hoping to subvert and change uh, and then present to the greater world because I'm sure there are other people who have similar uh, qualms as I do. Uh, is there anything else? That's about it for the combat stuff. Uh, my hope then is that combat will then evolve into a style of campaign play that I enjoy. Uh, another thing that I'm looking at is that if my game doesn't really have a progression system, rather a mix and match ability system that 
can change complexity and synergy and etc cetera, etc cetera. again i'll get into that in its own specific episode but where does sort of the the sense of progression go uh, and i think that with that i would look to metroidvanias because one of the things about metroidvanias uh, specifically thinking about games like hollow knight and Metroid, especially I think Metroid Dread, that is the most recent title. Uh, that might be incorrect, but I'm not gonna Google it. Uh, those games have their own style of progression. Uh, I know that in Hollow Knight you can upgrade the nail and that's more damage, and that's a sense of progression. But uh, all of those games give you tools to combat different enemies or bosses in different ways. Even The Legend of Zelda often is famous for uh, the weapon you gain in the dungeon is the one you use to defeat the boss, and you learn how to use it throughout the dungeon. So I'm thinking about progression not in form of the character, but progression in form of the world, because the thing that does progress alongside the tools you gain in Metroidvania games is your map exploration and kind of world building and uh, getting to know the lore of a place and understanding what mysteries are out there. And so I think I will be potentially shifting progression from character to progression to world and players are going to be able to like collect some sort of resource that will allow them to take agency into the choices that are made for the world maybe like some sort of base building concept or or faction style uh thing but i think i think map exploration as experience and as progression is really a uh, fascinating idea. There was a long time where I was kicking around a D&D 5e sort of hacking where if you were to enter like a temple structure, you could only get past certain doors if the cleric spent their channel divinity. Uh, additionally, then, you know, it would feel bad to spend all your channel divinities on doors and not on creatures. Uh, so creatures like defeating undead or demons or visiting like angel founts replenished channel divinities so instead of resting you had sort of like specific enemy types that would garner your class resources and recharge so you could progress further in the dungeon uh and use continue to use your abilities and then you sort of like had this decision making process of oh we've like cleared this room of all the demons i can't get any more channel divinities until we progress further in the map or return to town or something like that and uh, uh, it's sort of like just this decision point of like do we hold our resources we kind of really need channel divinities etc etc there's a lot of like reworkings for that idea to be specifically applicable or playable but that was just sort of like thought I was kicking around. Enemies provide resources instead of experience, and map exploration is actually the thing that provides experience and progression for the characters, because then it unlocks new skills for complexity of play. And that's sort of the uh, thesis I'm working with when it comes to Umbral Dive as well. So, uh, progression, um, battle design, class design, and 
sort of the last big one. There are other ones, but the last big one I'll talk about in this is uh, the skill list system. In, in, having buttons to in, engage or interact with the world at large. Uh, I sort of want to create a party version of this. Uh, again, it's on specific devlog, but the idea is that I want to look at a version of trad skirmish play that looks at the party as a whole rather than individuals. Um, and what does the party look like when it's separated? How does it lose power but gain maybe specificity or speed? Time is going to be a big design one for the game. And uh, yeah, that's that's a that's another big thing is time and um, whatever I just said. Anyways, uh, I am going to get ready to walk this doggo. If you enjoyed hearing my th initial thoughts on Umbral Dive and want to see where I take these different systems and subsystem ideas, uh, please subscribe to the podcast uh, where I will continue to do this bi-weekly, uh, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, depending on how the year goes, along with the interviews and some other projects I have going on. Um, feel free to sign up for uh, my Ko-fi or Patreon, where I intend to send prototypes of the game out to those members so I can get feedback from them if they want to engage in that and where you can also vote on which subject matter you want to hear me talk about uh if you're more interested in the initiative system then or the lack thereof or if you're more interested in the class design you can let me know through those mediums um but yeah hang out follow me on my journey to making a game making the the quick start version of this the first dungeon first three uh armor sets is kind of what i'm going for that's some that's some diablo 3 energy for you right there and i'll catch you in the next one you can follow me at jeremy gage 5 over on twitter you can listen or you can follow at draw your dice pod over also on twitter i also have a youtube channel if you prefer using that as your medium for podcasts and such uh, that is under draw your dice podcast and yeah Kofi patreon youtube twitter you can also catch me as the co-host on the tabletop Colin show over on twitch.tv slash adam e bell and watch me and adam talk about some shit good get into game philosophy that was a whole thing it's very interesting and I'll catch you next time. Have a great have a great day and thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.